All right. A couple of episodes ago, Josh was saying that watashi wa is equivalent to I am, which is correct some of the time, but not always. So very basically, wa acts as a topic marker. So it shows that whatever noun or noun phrase that comes before it is the topic of the sentence. So when Ryan was going to say, I have a telephone, watashi wa is a good start. Yeah. We often hear hauni meaning white person in a negative connotation, but is a perfectly good word. It means foreign introduced or foreign origin or foreign introduction. So in Hawaiian, anyone or anything that is not native to Hawaii is haole. I'm Leilani Poliahu, ahui ho. Haole. Haole. Welcome to the Hawaii Podcast. I'm Josh Michaels. And I'm Ryan Little. Hello. And today we have a great show for you guys. Oh, uh, we're talking about sports. This is a full deep dive uh, exclusive topic. Um, we have a super, super, super special uh, previously recorded interview for you. Uh, back in April, uh, early April, during the Auburn spring game, we sat down with our two good friends, uh, Peter Boylan and Danny Cuptroy, two lifelong, diehard, bleed green, rainbow warrior aficionados to talk about all things UH sports. We talked about football, basketball, baseball, and we went beyond that. We went into these structural underpinnings, uh, not just of sports in Hawaii, but our larger uh, University of Hawaii education system and sort of how this all plays to each other the critical role it is in local culture, especially UH being the only game in town, literally and figuratively. Um, and it, we just like... It was we, just really fun. We just loved it. It was yeah. great. And so we've been sitting on it because we've had a lot of really cool other interviews that have come up that were a little bit more timely. Yeah. And sports is such a, uh, a timeless subject. You can really just drop it anywhere. So uh, as we get into the summer and uh, some things are speeding up, but others are slowing down, we thought, hey, what a great time yep. to release this. Please, so, please share this far yeah, and wide absolutely. With, the, uh, with the UH sports fan in your life, with uh, the college athletics fan in your life, uh, with anybody who just likes fun chat and sports so uh with the remaining time we have before the interview we're going to jump into a little bit of uh global news a little bit of local news um and uh, we're also going to get a little bit of a teaser on the sports subject uh talking about the uh heartbreaking loss of liverpool football club to real madrid in this year's uefa champions league that said we're really excited to be back with another cool episode you guys stay tuned. And don't forget, the World Cup kicks off in less than two weeks. Be there. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. This episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast is brought to you by... Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise. For all your brewing needs. Whether beer, wine, fermented food, cider, or etc. Et cetera. You can find it here at Homebrew in Paradise. Last weekend I got hammered off about... Maybe a handle of etc. Homebrew in paradise. If you are struggling with etc. addiction, contact Please your doctor. <laughs> the government revealed that uh, the actual death toll in Puerto Rico was 4,600 plus. Uh, they've also lost track of nearly 1,500 migrant children and are separating parents and children arriving at the border. 
what are your thoughts well that's not good none of this is good yeah uh 4645 people is the official death toll yes. in puerto rico well unofficial official death toll that makes it the deadliest disaster in at least 100 years for the united states yeah um it is more than 9-11 more than 9-11 more than katrina i think it's like 50 percent more than 9-11 yeah. almost i mean it's it's a, a staggering amount and but, the worst part about it is it was almost all entirely preventable yeah. if we just would have addressed it in the proper way we right, could right. have mitigated almost all of it but no i mean donald trump went down there he threw paper towels at people that's something right and he went down there and then he blamed puerto ricans for the disaster uh he could have like <laughs> he could have you know at least tried to hide the racism a little bit. Yeah. He he went with, well, this is your fault because you Puerto Ricans are lazy. What else happened? Oh, uh, the Supreme Court says uh, sometimes it's okay to not bake a cake for gay dudes. Sometimes. So the thing about that ruling, though, yeah, uh, not... that the one time being an attorney will actually help you is yes. when you can understand Supreme Court rulings. As every conservative on Twitter uh boasted today oh the liberal media is trying to spin this as a narrow decision i don't know nothing about seven to two seems narrow to me remember when uh trump narrowly got more electoral college votes than hillary <laughs> neil gorsuch it's you know what people don't understand is uh it was an incredibly narrow ruling and yeah. basically all the ruling said was uh this christian baker in this one specific case didn't he didn't they saying at the lower level of the the process, you don't you know you don't go straight to the Supreme Court. You start out the trial, you move to the appellate level, you go to the state Supreme Court level, and then you can go straight. Then you can go to the Supreme Court of the United States. So this is this has had a lot of different uh, iterations, and uh, the iteration where it began was in the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, mm -hmm. I believe, and all they said was that this guy didn't get a fair shot at the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, they made the right decision. Yeah. You want your courts, you want your your uh, enforcers of the law to be impartial. You want the process to work. So if anything, the process worked the way it's supposed to work, and it's not that big of a blow to gay rights uh, across the country. In the short term, yes, it is. In the long term, no, it's not. Exactly. It, the, the, the march of progress continues onward. And if anything, this is... This isn't even a pothole. This is like a this is like you know a, a sharp rock that you step on and it you kind of feel it in the bottom of your boot. It still doesn't seem too pleasant. I'm not sure that would be a consolation. It's a it's a small. You, you just kind of <laughs> feel it. Also, uh, big local news this week. Number one, our favorite son, Bruno Mars, is coming home. The homecoming. Uh, even though he doesn't really rep Hawaii. He doesn't rep Hawaii. He repped Hawaii when he was on SNL. Yeah. Uh, I remember... No, he's, he's very much an LA person, I think. He is. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we're a small market. It's not mm -hmm. like... It's hard to be famous off just Hawaii. It's not like, you know, if you get we're, famous... But the Blue Hawaii podcast is trying. By God, we're going to do <laughs> our best. Also, Japanese tourists and his wife got... The crap beaten out of them. By in, somebody. In a Kakako Park public restroom, Mother Waldron Park. The Japanese consulate has sent out a warning to Japanese tourists to be careful. Um, that's not good for our that's economy. That's not good. Um, yeah, this this funny. Well, not funny. The Japanese consulate seems appropriately concerned. The city is kind of just like, eh. Also, uh, in on the Big Island, in Leilani Estates, in the middle of the lava evacuation zone, this dude got caught on camera 
pulling a gun on somebody and firing a warning shot over his head over a neighborly dispute. So uh, tensions are running high. Seems hard. Yeah. It's like, damn it, John, I've told you a million times not to park on my lawn. Yeah. He's like, well, my lawn's covered in lava, <laughs> molten rock. Uh, uh, Newsweek is reporting yet again, Hawaii is the most expensive place to live in the nation. Uh, the most expensive place in the world to buy four rolls of toilet paper for $6. Unless you buy them at Costco. Unless you buy them at Costco. And the priciest place in the United States to buy gas. Not surprising. Thanks, no. Jones Act. I don't know enough about the Jones Act to have an informed opinion. Well, let's have a quick jump into the Jones Act. The Jones Act was created in the wake of World War I. Uh, essentially, what it aims to do is to stop invasion uh, in a Trojan horse manner by a foreign nation by landing a uh, boat which appears to be for the purposes of foreign trade and then having a whole army of people storm out and occupy uh, your territory, uh, much like we did to the Native Hawaiians. So what happens because of the Jones Act is that all the goods that are produced uh, in the entire world, basically in Asia at this point, uh, are not allowed because they are not U.S. ships to pull into our port. So say something that's produced in China, like everything that you own, it literally goes right by the state of Hawaii, goes all the way to California, docks in Long Beach, and then all those same goods, without anything else changing, gets loaded onto a new ship with a US flag flying over it, and then they go all the way from Long Beach, what, 2,600, 3,600 miles? Uh, several million miles. Over to Hawaii. And the net effect of this is that we pay around 30% more for every good produced, despite being uh, half a world closer to the actual place of production. And all of those additional costs are essentially shipping costs. Now, the reason why it hasn't been repealed, if you're wondering, is because uh, post the inception of the Merchant Marine Act, uh, the Longshoremen Association and unions in California have become incredibly politically powerful. And so for a long time, it was a really politically toxic issue. And to that end, nobody wants to touch it on the Democrat side. On the Republican side, I'm really not sure. They're probably still scared of the union for some reason. The uh, What's his name? Uh, Kili Akina and like the Grassroots Institute, they're always, they're always coming out super hard against the Jones Act. So I'm inherently skeptical of everything they have to say. Sure. So, so I, I'm really, you know what, like, I actually don't know. Well, with uh, the Jones Act, I think, as I recall, it's only been attempted to be repealed once mm -hmm. since its inception, when about 100 years ago. You know who it was? George W. Bush. John McCain. John McCain. And it was like it was like two or three years ago he, tried, he called for it to be repealed. Um, additionally... I like, I like acts that weren't repealed. <laughs> That's good. That's a deep cut. Hopefully somebody gets that. Uh, uh, the other thing about the Jones Act, though, is it is, as with all things, it's a nuanced issue. So that, you know, if you're the longshoreman at this point, you've got the threat of automation. Mm -hmm. You've got the threat of uh, just newer, stronger equipment uh, constantly displacing workers. You've got a shrinking Another demand for longshoremen. Yeah. If I was them, if I was a union and I had that power... I wouldn't want to give an inch. Yeah, and it's it's not just longshoremen; it's it's the ship manufacturers on the mainland too, right? Sure. Because the part of the act is they all have to be built and crewed entirely United States, which is an absolutely stupid rule. Uh, but 
you know, until people get involved and call for the Jones Act's repeal because it's placing a 30% premium on everything we buy, it's never going to happen. But guarantee, you take 30% off the top, imagine 30% more money in our local economy, what that would do. Um, and finally, last bit of local news, but it's also national and international news. Uh, China will not be coming to visit Pearl Harbor this year. The U.S. has withdrawn an invitation to China to participate in the world's largest international maritime warfare exercise known as RIMPAC. Um, the People's Liberation Army, I guess, couldn't be trusted to be on their best behavior. We didn't think they would stay liberated. Uh, the next point in our notes just says in bold letters, buff cat. So the quick, uh, the hot news item of the week, that is a human interest piece. The one that demands everybody's attention. The one attention. that demands uh, certainly my attention, your attention, our attention. Listeners, if you go on Twitter and search for the words buff cat, uh, that's all you'll have to do. You can thank us later. Suffice to say, he is a very good boy. It's a buff ass cat. It's a, the cat is yoked, bro. Like, have you have you seen Buff Cat? Did yeah. I send you the I sent you the link, right? Of course. Yeah, listeners, again, Buff Cat. Um, so should we talk about? Are you ready? Should we talk about the elephant in the room? Oh, I feel bad. Okay. I don't want to bring it up, no, but so I feel bad because I was listening to episode nineteen. Yeah, when you and, were like, and I say you're going to be the proud supporter of a second place. Well, you team. did you did call it. So, but okay. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Liverpool Football Club lost the UEFA Champions League final. Three to one. Three to one. To Real Madrid. I believe as we concluded episode 19, uh, Ryan made the bold prediction that I would be the proud fan of the second best team in Europe. And he's correct. Um, Liverpool and Real Madrid were very evenly matched for the first 30 minutes. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a really intense competitive contest. I'd say that soccer, more than a lot of other sports uh, comes down to moments and like individual moments in an otherwise ordinary encounter end up making the difference. And Liverpool were pretty much right with one of the best teams of all time, except for the injury to his best player, two of the worst goalkeeper mistakes you'll ever see, and the nicest, most beautiful goal that you can't even be upset about. Um, Promptly, yes. after Real Madrid's win, yes. uh, head coach Zinedine Zidane did exactly what every championship head coach does. He quit his job. He went out on top. I have him. no idea why he did that. Congrats to him. I guess he's probably making an angle. He's, excuse me. I guess he's probably angling for France. Well, if... As a French national team? So they're in the World Cup this year. They're known, traditionally, they do not do very well at World Cups, uh, with the exception of 98 on their home soil. Exception that year that Zidane was in, and then he headbutted that guy because well, he couldn't keep it together, right, and he they, blew it to Italy. I would count that as not doing well. They were crushing <laughs> no, Italy. I know, I know, but like, you know, emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an Egyptian lawyer filed a $1 billion lawsuit against Sergio Ramos uh, back when it looked like uh, Salah was going to be out for the World Cup. I don't think he has a case anymore. And last, a tweet from the European Judo Union went viral. Quote, Forbidden arm lock technique in Judo. But in football, good enough to win the Champions League. Mm, that's a deep burn. Shady. So thankfully, the greatest event in world sport is going to take our minds off this. World Cup kicks off June 14th. So, uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia is the first game. Neither of them are going to win, but neither is the USA. Yeah. Um, 
one guarantee is that Russian fans will get in trouble for racist and homophobic chanting at some point. Just today, Russia's Football Association was fined uh, for monkey chants toward black players of the French national team squad. Those are not acceptable. Yeah. Just ask Roseanne. That's another thing. We don't even need to talk about her. No. Basically, also, Roseanne's a racist. Yeah. Shocker. And now, a mailbag question. Listeners, our dear friend, Becca Salwin, got in touch with us this week. She wants to know, Governor Ige signed a ban on conversion therapy. Is this progress or an empty gesture? I personally think it's progress. Yeah. I think I, you know, I don't think conversion therapy was really that big of a deal in Hawaii, and I like I have never we mean running just, in evangelical circles. Just for the record, LGBT conversion therapy, we talk about like pray away the gay sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like I've I've never heard anyone recommend it in Hawaii, and no. maybe that's because the the version of Christianity I practice is not so fundamentalist. Um, I but I, I don't remember. Like, you guys are slacking. <laughs> I don't. I just don't recall seeing a lot of people advocating for it. Yeah. That said, it's an awful, awful scourge on the earth. I mean, you can't change the fact that you're gay anymore than you can change the color of your skin. You know, the texture of your hair. Like, you just you just can't. Unfortunately, that doesn't stop people from trying. It doesn't. And so, I think it is real progress. But I I think it was a, I think it's an overdue law that addresses. A problem that doesn't exist as much as it once did yeah um that said i mean politically once somebody introduces the bill what are you gonna do yeah. like you you can't not sign that into law and for Ige, a guy who is getting right now just eviscerated in the polls like he needs a win of any sort so i think you're gonna see a lot of those blatantly nakedly political things like what he did with Honua, where it's all of a sudden he calls off the homeless sweep and tries to make himself look like a hero now he's like you know, when he goes out stumping, he's going to be able to say, hey, I signed a, the, you know, anti-conversion bill. So I, I think it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's progress, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, emblematic of some great change in Hawaii because I, it's, to my knowledge and listeners, I, I'm, I'm saying this humbly, so correct me if I'm wrong. To my knowledge, it hasn't been that big of a deal. So, so Becca, to answer your question, you asked progress or an empty gesture? And the answer is oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's your mailbag question for the week. Uh, enjoy our interview with uh, Peter Boylan and Danny Cup Choi. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are very pleased to have with us two very special guests, two gentlemen, two scholars, two, uh, above everything else, University of Hawaii rainbow sports fans. Uh, their names are Peter Boylan and Danny Cup Choi. Uh, great friends of the show, gentlemen. Thank you for coming on to talk about sports with us, and we're glad you're here. Uh, I can't listeners. believe we're talking about UH sports while watching the Auburn spring game. I mean, well, this is I mean, really, it's before, on today, isn't it? This before, is something. Before we get into it, guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves and tell us what makes you qualified to talk about UH sports. Well, I mean, I was going to UH sports since I was one, two years old. My parents, grandparents all had season tickets to UH football. We would tailgate every single week. Their friends would come. It'd be a thing. It was a social gathering. And from a young age, you just get wrapped up in it, the pageantry of the whole thing. And it was different. This is in the 80s. Um, the, the, the stadium had minimum forty to 45,000, whether they were great or not, whether the opponent was great or not. And then, you know, 
then you just kind of get hooked. And then as you grow up and you get older, then you start going with your friends, the like-minded, you know, UH sports fans. And then I look at, you know, Peter and I, who we would have been good, close friends regardless, but I would say half the time we spend with each other is at a UH sporting event. Bringing people together since 1907. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, and then, you know, you see grandparents with their grandchildren, yeah. you see parents and friends, and it's, 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 Brings the community together when it's done right. Now you mentioned uh, you mentioned back in the in the eighties, uh, forty or forty five thousand, no matter if they were good or bad. Uh, the way you said that made me think our attendance may not be keeping up. No. So let's, let's talk about the state of UH football. Well, before no, we do that, though, gotta, I want we, I want to hear Peter's story. How did go, you get but, into but UH? But those were wonderful days that Danny's talking about at Rainbow Stadium. This is when when they were the Warriors. They were playing in the, the Rainbow Warriors, the Bows, the Bows. Yeah. That's how we we yeah. talk about them as the Bows. The Kelly yeah. Green jersey well, with the with the rainbow to, on to, the yeah. helmet. To I our generation, should, I hate that we try to like westernize it and yeah. make it the, well, the it was Warriors. June Jones. June Jones. It was June Jones. And and look, all due respect to June. He, I mean, what what was it? Sixty six and forty one, winning his coach in UH history. Took us to the Sugar Bowl. You did look up that stat. I totally look. I looked up that. We're gonna listeners. This Peter is, Boylan does not come unprepared to an interview. Pen. I used a pink pen on on a tablet. Unlike June to Jones, write down, unlike June Jones, we're all comfortable in our masculinity. We don't course. need to talk about this warrior bull crap. <laughs> we're the I, bows. Baby. I live with a fourteen. I have a fourteen-year-old Hanai daughter. Pink pens are uh, are in Your great currency. supply. Yeah. Great supply. A lot of pink pens rolling around. I mean, I remember as a kid in the eighties. You know the. You get the newspaper, the game day newspaper. Oh, yes. They rip it up into confetti. They throw it. The field was just littered After every score. with trash, basically. And the stadium would be shaking. It, it was a different experience. They would pour glitter into... and You would go up to the very top... The orange section, orange or orange is upper 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 section. Yellow, is it red? I think. Yellow? The, the yellow. top top? Whatever the top of the stadium was. And you would fill uh, toilet paper rolls with glitter. And after scores, if you looked up, guys were whipping these toilet paper rolls into the stands. As a kid, as a little kid, imagine they that threw scene. toilet paper. Toilet yeah. paper. That's funny because we do that at Auburn too. I, it must it must the, be a tradition brought the, from the, the biggest tradition uh, in Auburn sports is called Rolling Tumors Corner. And there's this corner like, right in the, the heart of downtown. There's these two oak trees. They're the, they, they were cover. like 150 year old oak trees. And after every win, like every store in the city sells out of toilet paper because people will like go like tens of thousands of people and just throw toilet paper into the trees all around there and then we beat alabama in 2010 with oh, cam newton yeah and uh yeah. we earned national news because one of their deranged fans poisoned our trees and now those trees have died oh god i remember that, I remember Hope, that. they've That's died the, much like the success of uh sports and i'm, uh, I'm <laughs> we're not getting to that part yet. oh we're not Can there we yet remember? i'm sorry let's, I'm okay sorry. i'm going let's, back, let's to, the go back to the origin story, story. story. because we got to tell the origin story the reason we became hooked is like any other fan with any yeah. other fan base the bows have been our pro team growing up like danny talks about being a young kid the only game in town i'm the son of a uh college professor who who one of the first classes courses he came up with in the american studies department when he moved out here was uh sport in society or something like that i'm just sounds that. awesome i'd take but, that class oh absolutely but he was my dr. father dr dan boylan shout out yeah dr dan boylan is a ridiculous sports fan hopefully he's had, future guest of the show absolutely just you know he'll do it uh but he 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 had a passion for university of hawaii basketball specifically that's his favorite sport college basketball is his favorite sport um, but University of Hawaii basketball, he had a passion for it. He's had season tickets for, God, got to be 30, 40 years, back when it was at the Blaisdell. And some of my earliest memories in life, period, 
We're going to the Blaisdell. I mean, this is during the era of Chris, uh, may he rest in peace, but um, Chris Gaines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Gaines. All, Garth Brooks. Isn't that Garth Brooks' oh, alter is, ego? That is Garth I was, a, I was a junior and senior in high school when Anthony Carter, the greatest player AC, in the universe, yep. AC Carter, you know, 11, 12-year veteran NBA career. AC and Alika Smith were in the backcourt. Yep. Well, we grew up with Troy Bowe and Trevor Ruffin, yep. Justice Suing. I mean, players. Tess Whitlock. Tess, even Tess Whitlock, yep. whose kid is a stud at, uh, was a stud recently out Call at Hill. At Call Hill. Yep. And his namesake plays for, no, Justice Suing's namesake plays for Cal now. Yep. Speaking, of, but, uh, speaking of UH coaches' kids or UH's kids' sons at studs at Call Hill, uh, Von Appen's kid in high school. Football. Yeah. yeah uh, Cody Von Appen. Oh, right? my God. He, like, I remember Iolani, we played Kalaheo in like some preseason game at, at Kazuki Stadium. I was watching it. And this kid, like, he's a cocky little so-and-so, man. Like, he basically like a uh, white 16-year-old Michael Vick and acted the role. <laughs> you, but you know the story that he almost died, right? Yeah. Fill in if I'm, if I'm remembering incorrectly. But I remember they were, I believe, on a neighbor island with the team. And he was there. And he jumped into the water. And the water just started to get like you know a suction and a uh football player i want to see it was like the punter or something like that jumped in i don't remember the details but to make the long story short basically saved cody von oppen's life and then he, and he died yeah. and drowned and UH i think they died i think they named the locker room after him or yeah, something no but yeah. it was it was like a, a i mean you know it was a heavy thing obviously the team wasn't yeah. doing well on the field and von oppen you know wasn't popular but then this Thing happened and it was just kind of I don't know it was a good wow. reminder that there's yeah there, there are a lot of life but like there's like so there are like heavy things have happened in the right. UH sports family to yeah, like bond people if together you grow yeah up in Hawaii this is the only game in town exactly the Bows are the only game in town and if you grow up playing sports like Danny and I did and if you grow up just liking sports if you're a sports fan and and I got it from my father who was a crazy sports fan some of my earliest memories are being at the Neil Blaisdell Center which is surrounded by an outdoor the Neil Blaisdell Center I'm sure mm-hmm. you've been a concert that's where there. we took the bar exam that's where the, that's where the bows used guys, to play. I've been, the, I've been here six years. I okay, all right, but <laughs> whatever. Take off the Auburn hat then. But they used yes. <laughs> then let's watch. Let's watch uh, San Jose State in Hawaii, which is currently replaying on OC sixteen. Uh, yeah, nobody from San Jose State is poisoning our trees. The no one San Jose State is poisoning. <laughs> That's not a real is that a big That's rival? A real rivalry. Is it? Is that really a rival for Hawaii? I, San I Jose not, State? Not, nah. not, not really. Not, it's hard for us to really have yeah. a Hawaii uh, a rival in well, Hawaii. Well, for a long time we did though. When we were growing up, they did. I mean, when we it? were at the at BYU, at the play, BYU, uh, BYU was a lot for football, basketball. You had UTEP. Utah, the University of Utah. Fresno oh, really? State was a big oh, basketball. Fresno State for years. During the Chris Boise Heron State years. In football yeah. During the Sugar Bowl era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. But we were coming up. I mean, I, I remember feeding fish in, in the lake around the Blaisdell Center during halftime popcorn while my dad and his buddies would grab beers. I mean, that's how long we've been going to these games. It's always been the thing my father and I, like, always do. We go to almost every – Danny and I probably don't miss more than – one yeah, maybe I mean, two games a, a season for basketball. I would say never football, football. We go to 100% of the games. Basketball, we go to 95% of the games. When I was single, I would right go now. to Christmas Day game, oh, but yeah. now I'm married and I I can't get away with that one. But No, we would go to the bowl game like if it was we, we went to the Boise State, Oregon State Christmas Eve 3 p.m. like take yeah. off from work. I mean, it's it's a it's yeah. Not a healthy relationship remember, with college a, and professional the, sports, uh, but it's a real one. You yeah. guys could be you guys could be SEC fans at any school. I yeah. mean, that's, <laughs> well, I mean, he went to a Big Ten college for undergrad, so he had Wait, a Hawkeye shirt underneath. Oh, you were Iowa? Yes. Wait, what years? Uh, I was there. 
literally at the be- the end, my freshman year was the end of the Hayden Fry era. Uh, Ferentz. And, and Ferentz, who yeah. is the longest tenured coach in college football right yeah. now, rightly or wrongly. Um, depending on what the, point of the season you're at. It dep- well, when he's 9-0 going and into week 10. depending on what part of the Iowa Hawkeye we're going to go 10-0, and 0, get to the highest level, lose at the absolute last minute in heartbreaking, horrific, nationally televised fashion before going like 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four for like three seasons and falling off the national map, maybe beating Ohio State every year, but then losing to like, you, you know, Missoula, Montana State Teachers College at home during homecoming. That's the horrific pattern that is Iowa Hawkeye football, but that's for another podcast. This is not your demographic. That's here. next week. That's next week. But the Bows, you grow up, if you grow up a sports fan in Hawaii, the Bows are your natural. I mean, obviously we love UH sports and any critique we might have it's comes colored. with love. It's colored. It comes with love. It comes and with it comes love. with passion. My, mine as well. We're I know still going like to go. I, I want UH to be good because I love college football and to be able to be a proud alumni alumna alum alumnus alum alumnus i would love the excitement and again the pageantry i mean that's what i was raised with too and i would love to experience that here in hawaii so it's every all the critiques i'm saying they sound harsh uh but really it's just self self self-deprecating because i actually really love uh sports and i want us to be good well i think there's dual things too like i love to talk about what we think the team's gonna be this year but then there's the undercurrent of even when we had some good years in the last 10 years just the the fan base and the overall game experience has changed. So winning cures a lot. I think a winning team automatically at a football game puts another 10, 12,000 in the stands mm-hmm. just because teams want to watch a winning team. But even during those Colt Brennan undefeated, awesome record-setting years, I mean, we were yeah. gaps in the seats, high high thirties. Yeah, high, high, you know, on a fifty thousand. I mean. So, like we said before, they would have six and six teams in the 80s, and we'd have 45,000. We had an undefeated team, and I don't think our average attendance even cracked 40,000. And some so, of that's societal. I mean, some of that is, is essentially just You can societal. watch the game at home on your couch and your big screen TV. Right, you can, you, can, you, can, you can watch it on, on your phone. I mean, you can do pay-per-view packages now where you get this high-definition experience, and you can sit in your living room and watch it. I mean... It, and in, in a place like Hawaii, University of Hawaii Athletics of any nature has always competed with a whole bunch of other stuff to do in Hawaii. I mean, even for local people. who well, And a whole bunch of other games that are on, right? Because our, our early games are right during the middle of primetime of two teams that are probably heavyweights, which maybe you wouldn't have gotten the, you know, uh, Penn State, Michigan game out here 20 years ago. And now it's like, well, I can watch that. I can, and then I can flip between that and USC UW, and then I can watch the Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Hawaii is usually for basketball and football usually the last like game. They usually kick off at midnight Eastern time, so it's like the it's the it's the catch up game for for Las Vegas because ah. mm-hmm. it's it's usually the last game on the card for any given day, especially for bas- college basketball and college football. Not that we would know anything about how Vegas structures. So I've read, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, it's um. I mean, I, I hear your point because, uh, you know, the game of the week kicks off at 3 o'clock normally. Yeah, and the Pac-12 so you, games are kicking off at 5 also. So, so I you mean, have we, to make a decision there or leave at halftime to come to a UH game. And if you're in the comfort of your home and you feel that you can just order the game, have eight of your friends come over and watch it from the comfort of your home, a lot of people are doing that. And, you know, the, the game day experience is a not, little different. Not kept it's lacking. Up, it's not kept up with the times. Yeah. I mean, we live in a society where the average American checks his phone 83 times a day. And we have not adjusted the in-game experience to 
to to accommodate generations of, of sports fans who who don't understand a world without a device that provides them with instant gratification for every moment of their life cycle. I, I also, mean, that, the, the, UH has not adjusted the experience. This is a, this look. We're still going to go to the games. We go to all of them, and we're going to buy the jerseys and the hats and eat the food and drink the beer. But they have not adjusted the well, game day experience it, to accommodate for the population. They two things: haven't. you're part of a dwindling minority. I mean, that shows bears out in what you're saying. Six and six, you're going. 45,000 people a week and then now you know you're you could be eight and three we and went then... to every home game of a three and nine team last year yeah yeah but we're, we are but in the minority. Are the, the minority the minority the, I mean, we were sitting there i think the last game of the season last year the only was people in your section probably right? byu it was raining and there was i mean i don't know what they announced the attendance at but to my eye there was less than ten thousand people there so i mean those are the diehards and you'll you know but that's not sustainable for a division one college football team and you show up and it takes you an hour to get into the stadium mm-hmm. if you even have parking. Mm-hmm. Let's say you don't have a parking pass. Now you're parking at Radford yep. High School. You're walking in. You see hundreds of open spaces, and you're asking yourself, "Why are there so many open spaces?" <laughs> and I'm, you know, and then you get in, and you have to pay eleven dollars for a burger and a soda that you could make it literally is nothing better more at, than like a maize hamburger patty. Right. Yeah, it's frozen. like a, it's like an awful, like public awful. school lunch. It's awful. I mean the best, the best vendors at any university of Hawaii sport is Gordon Biersch. It's right, but it's not Sodexo, which has a contract. It's a local. It's a local at Auburn too. And it they have, the, they have the contract at the United States house of representatives. I got the unlimited food. I worked for the athletic department when I was an undergrad unlimited food from Sodexo and I wouldn't even eat it. It's, it's, it's just garbage. It's, and it's I'm not garbage. a discriminating eater. No, and it's and it, and it's expensive, and you know, super and this expensive. is and this is Hawaii, and food matters, good food, but also the kind of food, and I mean, ninety percent of your options, first of all, they don't rotate, and it's a hamburger, a hot dog, or a piece of pizza, and why wouldn't we have more local vendors, more local food out there? You get side street in slinging fried rice, well, and also yeah. we got to remember we live in a state where seventeen of the twenty largest professions pay an average salary of that's, less than thirty eight thousand dollars a year. The second thing I would bring up is that people it's an is expensive my, hobby. My it's an ex- theory is yeah, people are getting squeezed here. I they mean, are. it's like you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, you were you had I mean, relative to what we have now, you had more money. You've spent twenty dollars if you have if you have two beers. Yeah, you've spent twenty bucks, and, and maybe you could afford that like whenever it was, you know, 10 bucks in 1985 and everybody had a good union job and things weren't so crazy. But now it's like, you're trying to buy a house one day. That's a million dollars minimum. You're trying to buy, you know what I mean? Like well, you're trying I to mean, put your kids in a private school. That's 30,000 bucks a year. Like you don't have money to just drop 200 bucks for your family to go to a UH. And the athletic department will always come back and say yes. And, and football is the core anchor of our, it's, it's our highest revenue producing sport. And we need it to, to supplement all these other, I mean, but they they have to subsidize so yeah. much in so many places with the extra donation. On top of our season tickets, we pay uh, a donation. We pay a donation fee as a season ticket holder. It's like a student. It's like the student fee at yeah. the University of Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's common, actually. That's I mean, common. They, that's everywhere. Yeah, they do that. They, they, there's the as we were watching the game. There's the Tigers Unlimited. Uh, but you wouldn't. But you would notice it when Auburn's playing in the Iron Bowl with a chance to go to the SEC title game, right? You, can oh, yeah. you don't you notice can it. Well, when Auburn's playing yeah. Central Florida, I mean, you don't know. You you don't notice the extra. You yeah. don't care, but oh, there's an extra $150 on my season tickets. Ah, that's fine. What, what We're I going love. to the Rose Bowl this so year, at, at right? Auburn, I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a fan base. To yeah. get your, I think to get, uh, to be eligible to buy the season tickets, season tickets are maybe like four or 500 bucks. You have to donate at least like, I think, I want to say 1500 per year 
in order to keep your priority, like where you're at to keep your same seat. If you want to get a better seat, it goes up to like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars. But it brings back to another problem that we have here in Hawaii, which is uh, UH. It, it comes back to a donor base. Like we, and I think, I hope that we talk about this at some point in the future, but like, and I should also say, I talked about this with a uh, pretty high level uh, executive here in Hawaii last week. We don't have any profitable degrees at UH. We don't. We offer electrical engineering, but it's, a, it's not the greatest. We have a service-based economy in Hawaii. We, we don't have mechanical engineering. We don't have chemical engineering. We don't have software engineering. We don't have computer science hardly. We've got law and we've got medicine, but the law legal market is oversaturated. We're not putting people in positions to you know go to UH, move to the mainland for a few years, and send money back to their alma mater. It's like, well, I got a sociology degree, or like I got a history degree, or I got a legal degree, and it's like. History. Yeah. It, well, and those, those are great professions. I'm a sociology major and I haven't donated the first dime back to Auburn because they didn't give me, I didn't, I don't have something that I can make enough money to like afford to give you back anything. And like, that's where a lot of their base comes from is like, oh, you know, so-and-so at big schools, like so-and-so became an attorney. So-and-so became a lawyer. They made a shit ton of money and they donate, you know, $50,000 back every year. Sure. Because we don't have that here. Because if you use the example, of the university of Texas, they've become lawyers and, exactly. and they've become lawyers who service the oil industry. Exactly. Which is incredible. T Boone Pickens at Oklahoma state dropping exactly. 200 mil on his alma mater. That's pocket change to a, to an oil billionaire. Exactly. Tim well, Cook is an Auburn alum. I mean, it's it, like he, a guy can drop $10 million and, and you, it won't you matter. You just connect it to, to our economy. It's an economic issue. You're not, I mean, we don't have this humming, innovative economy. Our largest employers are the visitor industry and government. Those are the largest employers in the state of Hawaii government is when I'm accounting for the military in there these are not drivers of new revenue no not at I, all I mean why do you think we're one of the most highly taxed states in the country because we're barely trying to keep the infrastructure and support services provided by government in place to, to provide just the basics to a community and, and so you're charging 11 bucks for a lukewarm May's a cheeseburger at a three and nine football game with watered down Bud Light at eight fifty for for you've cut the ounces down too. I mean, my God, yeah. we're not and, you, and you're we're shocked. Not bitter. <laughs> no, but you're shocked when you got nine people in the stands for yeah. what should be your penultimate game of the year. You got seniors who've been bleeding, sweating yep. their ass off for four seasons yep. out there giving their life yep. away to a college football program to CTE. get their to get their ass kicked on national TV. Yeah, and and you can't turn out fans for them. I mean, you're not even you're not even paying attention. I understand that that the university has to pay, but let's get some innovative thinking in there. If you can't support the program as it currently exists, yeah. figure out ways to make the numbers now, work. On that Speaking, note, some well, people some people are saying we should go D two. I don't. I, think, I think that's a kiss of death. I, I, I totally I agree. No D two. Tell us why. Tell us why. No D two school number one can afford to come out here. You can't. We wouldn't be able to afford like the, the a lot of the ways that schools make money in D one college football is by uh, TV ad sharing or TV revenue sharing deals. So like for instance, um, Auburn made like 150 million last year off SEC network. Like they made a ton of money. And I'm sure that UH is making, you know, they're not making obviously close to that much, but like there's probably some, you know, big West. Uh, there's probably some big West uh, channel affiliate that's like paying the money. They're getting cut of pay-per-view. Uh, sure. But like that goes down exponentially whenever you go to D2 because you don't have nearly the same viewer base. So you can't mm. sell the same amount of ads. So it makes it not as profitable. Uh, I think D2 would be the absolute kiss of death for UH. The number one thing is recruiting and recruiting happens when you have facilities that people want to come to. And it also happens when you have a donor base that can afford to, you know, Jay Scheidler, Jay Scheidler looking you, at you, man. When you've got a donor base that can say, thank you for coming to UH football game for a recruiting visit. And maybe, you know, in their goodie bag, there's something extra. 
Well, I mean, and you help, <laughs> you we, help take care blue, of those. The Blue Hawaii podcast is not officially endorsing <laughs> the uh, bribing of NCAA. By the way, actually, absolutely, actually, no, yeah, I, I, what, one of us is. Fuck I am. It, I'm, fuck I'm, it. No, no, don't, don't bribe. Pay the players. Yeah, just like pay the players. Okay. Well, no, you don't want it, but you don't want to get into that game either because if we start paying players, UH is going to get crushed because we're one of the poorest schools in D one. There's no, we're, there's no there, way we. There's can, no win. We can't win. We can win. What we can win with is there's there's more holistic fixes. I feel like where like we have to fix. Our economy is the reason why UH isn't good because if our economy was good, we'd have donors who can afford to keep our facilities up and keep them, you know, world class. Like if you're choosing, if you're a Punahou, if you're Manti Teo and you're choosing between UH and Notre Dame, like there's a reason you didn't go here. And it's well, but but part of that also, a big part of that also for a, for a lot of kids and especially in in some of our stronger sports like youth baseball here is really big and youth soccer. If you grow up, just just speaking as if you are born and raised on a rock, on an archipelago in the middle of the Pacific, there are there are a lot of kids who are just clawing at the sand for an opportunity to experience something else, to go see the seasons, to live in another part of the country, to go live in a different type of community. I mean, they just they want that. And they're 18 years old and and you know, Notre Dame comes calling and gives you an opportunity to play on NBC with like a for, history for, and for a legacy and competitiveness yeah. that we can't it's, touch. It's hard. It's it's just hard. And but but back to your to your point about I completely 1000% agree with everything you said about rejiggering the economy of the state of Hawaii, but the, you, it's literally it all based on our economy. We don't have, we do not have the type of economy to support world class sports programs. We just do not. I mean, the vast majority of the world's class sports programs that we have here are stuff that comes in. We're paying them yeah. to come shut up, come set up shop here, and then we're taxing the revenue that they create for everybody who's coming for their event. And that's just the model that is unfortunately sustainable here. But Where does surfing, you, surfing, we got it though. Well. <laughs> But where do you? But, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. if, if we can't keep we can't keep seventh graders from falling asleep because it's so hot after lunch in their sure. classrooms. Yeah. But we want to make sure that that unbelievable quarterback prospect from Baytown, Texas, is thinking about the Warriors instead of Auburn, Florida, and USC. Exactly. I mean, come on, you could take right. No, I agree right. with you. Yeah. I mean, in my twisted list of priorities, I find that is equally important as education. I can justify it in my head. But <laughs> but, but I mean, but real society, but realistically, needs a go go down to the legislature and go sit in front of the higher education committee and say that rather than fixing all that twisted infrastructure at Manoa or Bo or expanding yeah. UH West Oahu, you know what we got to do? We got to make sure we have better showers and a weight room for a football no, team. I, I mean, got, you'll get laughed out of the room. Well, yep. I, I mean, again, in my only frame of reference is UH and Auburn for, sure. in terms of schools I went to, but like at Auburn, we built uh, we built like a maybe 20 years ago a really nice athletic building and it was like, it was great. I mean, it was, it was really, really cool. And they have their own, the football team has its own facility right yeah more or less yeah but same at iowa it was good but then oregon started the arms race where it's like now they've got like a they've got like a uh room full of like ps4s and all like that a, nike money and like all that nike money and yeah. then everybody else started following suit so now bama's got like a barber shop and clemson's got like a water slide and it's like there's it's just UA, I mean, Auburn can't compete with that, let alone UH. It's, and it's, it's, it's economics. It's, yeah. it's literally, ec capitalism is the driver of anything in America, Including unfortunately. Pain. In, in, Especially pain. It's, yeah. Exclusively yeah. pain, almost. Exclusively pain. But that I mean, is in another podcast. In a previous life, I was working for a recruiting service here, trying to get local kids um, exposure. Because every kid can go to UH. What's that? Say? 
Can you say who it was? Pacific Islands Athletic Alliance. I mean, all the top football players came through that program. And then Manti came and it kind of blew up. And then from there, Hawaii has been exposed. And now you have pipelines to schools that in a, 10 years yep. ago, I mean, Vanderbilt takes a couple kids now every year. Virginia seems to be coming in and taking kids now every year. And it's not just USC, Oregon. The, the starting Pac-12 quarterback schools. at Ole Miss is from Pearl City High School. Yeah. Uh, the starting yeah. quarterback at Central Florida is from Mililani <laughs> yes, High School. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, Shout out McKenzie Milton. Why did you crush my dreams? Hawaii's uh-huh. a nationally yeah. we have, you know, recruited we state now. A and young man named Tua Tonga Vailoa. Yeah. And I mean, for a local kid, Marcus if you good. have the opportunity to play in a better conference with better facilities, a lot of kids will take that, and I don't, you know, I don't begrudge them. But we can, right? but we still can do, no. we still can do more. We can you know? do more. And I'm, we're never going to be at Auburn or Oregon in facilities, but we also don't need to be a high school level. I guarantee facility. the facilities are nicer at Punahou than they are at UH. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I guarantee they're nicer at Kamehameha than they are at UH. It, I, I mean, we. The there, thing there, is, is, there are aspects of Kapolei High School that are nicer than parts we, of the UH athletic facilities. We don't facilities. need to be saying like overnight we're not going to be. A, a big power. We're not going to be in Auburn. We're not going to be in Oregon. But like, the the frustrating thing for me, somebody who comes from a, I mean, truly a football above everything state, uh, is that we're not even building incrementally toward that. No, we're, we don't. We don't have the political will. We don't have the. It's like people don't see that. You know what a what a driver it can be. I mean, if when Auburn's good, I, I bet the tax revenue on game day sales of restaurants and alcohol and you know merchandise and all sorts of things it's probably a, a, a billion dollar thing for that city which is why they they are so invested in it and it's like a, in hawaii and, and honolulu we don't see that and so for some reason like we don't see that well, what's, everybody's what's good. the political will yeah you know i mean you look at other states and you know i know for a fact that they the state politicians government puts much more money into their state school programs than UH does. And UH, we always are talking about the fact that well, because we, they're not it, making a profit. And But the reason the reason they're doing that, by the way, is just from an outsider's perspective. And, you know, maybe don't you guys don't beat me to death in a shore break on the Big Island. I'm not trying to Captain Cook this thing. But the reason that <laughs> the reason that happens is because all of our people who have smart kids send them to the mainland because no one... None of the money to lead the political class are no. truly invested here. All through, all through Iolani, all I heard nine through twelve was "Don't go to UH, don't go to UH." That's don't what go people to UH. say. I put him on too. I, 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 you know, I, I took their advice. I went to the mainland. I hated it. I had to come back. But you are the, you are the exception. I mean, like you're there, most of those people that can go to Harvard, go to Harvard. And I, again, I, again, excuse me, I don't necessarily begrudge them, but like the people that can go to USC, they go to USC, and it's like, but then they go to USC, and you know spend their cheap labor years in California and maybe start businesses there and like their the years when they're young and newly married and they don't have obligations and they're giving all of their their growth power to another place and that's because of us because we're not telling our people like UH is good invest enough for in you. Our, invest in our invest yeah, in yourself. We're, we're not doing it and the reason that we're not doing it it's a it's a vicious cycle because we're not funding programs that they know will make their kids money because people I mean we talked with we talked with uh, Anthony Ching of the HCDA, and he was like, "Look, my kids, like, I want them to be able to afford to live here, but I don't know that they will. Like, I'm gonna have to help them, and that shouldn't be the case. And I think like that is that's a big problem that we have here because when you're all invested in it, then you make it a priority. I mean, not. I mean, we could we could talk about that very aspect of of not to get too far away from the sports topic, but we have never 
planned or designed residential development in the state of Hawaii based on the actual economy, what the workforce owned since we became a U.S. territory in 1900. Never. It was a plantation. Mm-hmm. After after All the United States yeah. stole Hawaii from the Basically, Hawaiian kingdom. Yes. Stole, no, stole it at gunpoint. Yeah. That's a fact. They stole yeah. the Hawaiian kingdom. Yeah. After they overthrew a monarchy. Yeah. We don't disagree. Right? We made, they turned into a plantation. And and then from there, we, we have, we, we are a service-based economy. We are a ser- service-based economy. 17 of the 20 largest professions, less than $38,000 mm-hmm. a year. I saw some stat uh, the other day where almost what was it like 30 to 40 percent of the jobs are are restaurant server industry are i mean i mean these are low wage jobs you're never but you we, know, you're not a career th- there is no place in america where the gap between what people earn and what it costs to live here is greater nope. no place nowhere so so for to, to, it's, to, it's to not bring like it, new york where you can just move to a further out suburb it's right. like you, you can't do that you're on an island you're, you're on, on an island, island. Yeah. and the only thing you can do here to generate these large sums of money that would allow you an extra hundred grand which is nothing in the arms race of division one college football to throw at an athletic program would be to you know build some luxury development mm-hmm. or or that's it mm-hmm. that's it yeah that's it. All the hotels in this town. I mean, when we made this, this is something we both we all learned yesterday, right? Talking to the congresswoman. When the Hawaii Tourism Authority was first created, it was a marketing tool for all the locally owned hotels in the state of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. When Outriggers sold, that was the last family that owned a set of hotels yep. here. Yep. You're not, anybody who has the, the mega money that drives our economy. They're not from Hawaii. They're and, not no. and based they don't in care Hawaii. About Hawaii. No. I I can't tell you the. I literally cannot tell you because I'm bound by confidentiality agreements. Uh, the number of developers who are developing here that don't give a shit None. about oh, I, we see it in government. All they care about is bottom line: getting their getting their project built, getting it sold to some Japanese billionaire, and they're out. And they're out. And well, they don't care what the they don't care what the environmental costs are. They None. don't care what the traffic costs are, the infrastructural costs. They don't care about anything. And all of that, it sounds. If you're listening, and they never if have you've made it this far, and they the podcast, never have. If you're still listening, all of that in this really weird convoluted way because where everything's so connected on this island has a massive impact on our ability to be competitive in UH sports. Yes, because people are figure, people don't know where their next meal is coming from. We have the highest per capita homeless population in the country. The price of a single family home on this island hovers around 800 grand. Yep. You cannot afford a $9 beer, an $11 bad Terry burger to watch a 3 and 9 football team. So basically, or to watch or to, to to go back to our pink scribbled notes, a basketball team that was 17 and 10. We should uh, we should rename this episode UH Athletics and the Crisis of Late Capitalism in Hawaii. <laughs> Yo, that's actually a good title. But you know, the hope, you know, is that we are developing a love for University of Hawaii athletics. That God, we're trying to. <laughs> when you're ten, until you're eighteen, your dream is to play for the home team yeah. and to and to play in front of your family and friends and to be that class or that individual that brings it back and i'm hopeful that this year i mean they had the st louis quarterback he decided to stay and you his know, wide receiver stayed home his wide receiver stayed home there was a kamehameha boy that i think was uh going to navy and last minute he decided to stay and so you know you, you gotta get those kids to start staying you gotta start winning a little more and uh has to give get kids out to these games more give away 200 tickets every game to youth teams just to get them there and to have them build the feel base. Yep. what it's like to be You're there and, right. and people aren't coming anyway yeah. 
Yeah, create, I would go, I'd go beyond that. We need to create more pride in the institution of the University Absolutely. of Hawaii in general. Because there are great traditions to, there. We have look, great traditions. I am in Hawaii wearing a freaking Auburn hat. Yes, that's terrible. Like I'm like, And, and you have a University of Hawaii that's degree. That's terrible. You have, I have a, a degree. I have a University of Hawaii degree. And You're I a licensed it. attorney. Thank you, the, that University of Hawaii. I am employed Hawaii. thanks to the market viability imbued upon me by the University of Hawaii at Manoa. And I'm still wearing an Auburn hat. Like... And that's that's not purely just Alabama. Like it's because we don't like as an institution. Like oh, I went to UH. Like people are like people are kind of embarrassed have by some, it sometimes. Have some school spirit and personal pride. Yeah, there's like, not, and there's there's. I mean, I will. I, I'm I, a proud UH alumni. Yeah, because I'm a proud UH alum. I mean, I went yeah, to the, I, I went am. to I went to grad school there, and I'm I'm Shiler alum. And I I I, mean, I I take great. My father has been teaching at the University of Hawaii for almost fifty years. I mean, we have my my both my parents have all their call have. Graduate. My mom went undergraduate and graduate school. My dad went to graduate school. Got his PhD from the University of Hawaii, and we have great love for the institution. I mean, there 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 are a lot of traditions that are unique to the University of sure, Hawaii. Stuff, absolutely, stuff the Harvard we, of the Pacific. Stuff that we remember fondly growing up. Well, I mean, if you look at the East West Center, I yeah, mean that East that West is, Center is world class. that is a world class institution. Cancer Center, the Cancer Center, our, the our medical school, the Native Hawaii, astronomy, astronomy, marine biology. Beautiful. I mean, even though the buildings are somewhat, you know, right, the old, campus is beautiful. It's a beautiful campus. Oh, the, the U- University of Hawaii, Maui College, yeah, UH Hilo is in a beautiful part of. I UH mean, West Oahu is a great there, school. There's a lot to be proud in, but with sports, are 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 one of the most, especially on an island, kind of our lifeblood. Well, it's it's our prince. It's also our principal marketing tool. I yeah. mean, the hometown teams losing. I mean, a lot of people who who are not connected to the university and don't understand all of the things that we understand because we've had this wonderful shared experience there, growing up in the community, attending the school, getting a degree from there. They they're just going to see the things that are out there, right? They're mm-hmm. going to look on the news and say, "Oh, the football team lost again. Oh, the basketball team lost mm-hmm. again." That's their only frame of reference, mm-hmm. and. Part of enhancing, you know, reigniting that pride is going back to the days where Dan and I grew up watching, you know, Michael Carter win WAC championships and take Hawaii to a bowl game and finish the season ranked in the watching top 25. Ashley Lalee. Ashley Lalee. Yeah. But I mean, there's no, there's nothing stopping our state from pouring more money into the UH athletic program. It's just a matter of priorities. And there's a lot of good competing priorities, and they choose not to. But and political will. I mean, and look, political will. We we came up with a billion dollars in like 20 days to bail out a rail system. <laughs> yep. You know, you we're gonna have to do it again. I'm sure. Gov- government go- government can prioritize whatever yeah. it wants, and will prioritize what whatever it wants. But in the in the grand scheme of state funded priorities, the University of Hawaii Athletic Department is and, and, it, well, it and doesn't, it doesn't already... affect any legislators, right? They send nope. all their kids to the mainland to go to whatever the best schools they can go to and then maybe they come back. Maybe they're still living on the mainland. Like maybe they never come back to Hawaii. So like what what dog do they have in the fight when again well, we're I mean the pitch to me and this, you know, sounds like I'm gonna put my lobbyist hat on now, but I think they're put, they're pitching it totally wrong. I think it's coming so much from a deficit model where it's like, well, we're losing $3 million every year. We got to make up that shortfall when it's like, it, it, it's, it's just numbers. It doesn't even really, at the end of the day, matter. I mean, they could be making $50 million a year if the state put more money into it. What they have to, the university needs to go to the legislature and do exactly what Peter just said, which is say that this is the doorstep to the university. The athletic program is what the vast majority of people's only reference to the university is if you don't go there, that's it. I mean, there's studies that show when Gonzaga started making their run, everything, everything rises. That's yep. exactly what happens. At, when Duke, everything rises. And I'm not saying we're going to 
get to that. But I mean, Loyola like, Chicago. Loyola how Chicago. How many right. more applications exactly. is Loyola Chicago yeah. going to get next year? Absolutely. Are you are you at are you at University of Maryland Baltimore? Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's it's an investment. Buffalo, a, because of the March Madness. We can't yep. get there overnight, but we can get there in ten years. We can get there in twenty years. Right. I mean, you you look at you look at a, a at like any small school who's look at a Boise State. I mean, twenty years ago. They were nothing. They and were, look at the athletes. To your point about Mackenzie Milton and yeah. Jordan Tamu and Tua Tagovailoa, yeah, Marcus Mariota, a... and going back to our day, Jason Gesser, yeah. Timmy Chang, yeah, all those guys, Conti Pellegrin. I mean, yeah. you, I mean, you're talking about you, you had Division One talent rolls out of this state all the time per capita, probably higher than any other state. It, then we higher, don't have that many a lot kids. of states. We don't we have don't. that many kids. I mean, if everyone, I mean, it never happened, nor should it. But if everyone stayed home. We would, we would be a top be 10 to 5. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you, you go. there's guys that are playing offensive guard for like Arizona State that we might not yeah, remember because right. they kind of went away and stuff. Or there's guys that go from Maui High who we don't know maybe on Oahu and now they're all Pac-12 honorable mention. I mean, you bring all those guys and we keep even we got half a good, of them yeah, home. we got a good base. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. More certainly more so than basketball. I mean, at least football. <laughs> you know, Asian influence does not help our basketball I mean, football, prospects. Football and baseball, we have, if you know, the talent here yeah. to to be competitive. We have professional talent. We have professional talent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Professional yeah. level talent. Well, that, and speaking speaking that of basketball, yeah, it took a little bit of a detour, but thank you guys for entertaining that, and thank you for the discourse because I've been wanting to have that conversation with somebody that knows what's going on. Sports and Marxism. Sports and Marxism. Wow. That's, that could be. We're gonna rename the podcast. <laughs> Sports and Marxism. Jeez. Yeah. So, so you guys, uh, you guys both used to work in media. Uh, Danny, what do you think about the way that local media covers U.S. sports and like how that sort of feeds into what we're talking about? I mean, generally, I think the local media does a really good job. I know it's a hard job. I worked for the sports department for the newspaper. Um, I know being on talk radio is a tough job. I just think, you know, and I've, I, this isn't just my opinion. I've heard this from a lot of people is that we glorify the, the kids that decide to go away and prop them up yeah. 10 times more than the kids that stay. And it just reinforces that notion that going away is better. Yeah. Going away is the way to go. They made it. They made it. They off made it. You look at signing day every February for football and the lead stories are always the kids the that went to the Pac-12 yeah. or the SEC schools and the kids that stayed home are nine paragraphs down. And that's not always the case, you know, but that, that is totally how it is. Cause I follow signing day pretty heavily and I've looked at the advertiser and that's exactly what happens. It's like, so-and-so went to like, and it doesn't even have to be a, like a huge school. Cause you'd be like, so-and-so went to Indiana to play, you know, center. And it's like, and there's like, Oh my God, what an amazing thing. And it's like, and it'd be like, and then so-and-so went to like UTEP and they're going to be a wide receiver. And it's like, Oh wow. What a big story. And then it's like, and then uh, 14 kids went to UH and no one cares. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it just reinforces that whether I'm sure it's unintentional and I'm sure in their mind they're doing a great thing because it's like, wow, this kid went to Notre Dame. This yeah, they want to showcase to USC. But it for a local kid who reads, who hears it in the paper, who watches the television, they're being reinforced that it's subliminal, right? staying home is a plan B or it's not the it's not it shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to go to USC or Oregon or, or something like that. And for some kids, it, it it's good, and I'm that's good. But we're never going to get the program back to the point where, you know, and, you know, frankly, I think a lot of local people enjoy it more when there's a lot of local kids mm-hmm. on the field Absolutely. You know, or the court. 
They I've been watching them since he was at Kalaheo. Exactly. Yeah. Or they know their parents or they know they work with the dad or yeah, something. Sure. And, you know, all, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out there rooting. I don't care what state you're, you, you're from, but I do feel a slight more pride. Yeah. One thing that I have seen, it just started this year. Um, we've talked about this on previous episode, but Atlanta built uh, a brand new, like world-class dome for the Falcons to play in and the soccer team's using it too. The Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz dome, yeah. And what Arthur Blank required, because he chipped in a lot of his own money. He wasn't the typical like billionaire who takes it all from the state. He, he took- We're looking at you, Redskins fans. Yeah, he, uh, he chipped in a lot. Excuse me, the Washington football team? Yeah, no. pardon me, forgot the audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what he did is he demanded that if I'm going to chip in this money, we're going to do what they call fan first pricing. And so you can go in there and get like a 32 ounce beer for six bucks, a hamburger for like $7. And this is like, these are like, Atlanta's got like a really good food scene. And a lot of it's like local vendors who have like really well-known, like, like boutique restaurants somewhere. They've got like a, you know, a place called Grindhouse Burgers has got like a Grindhouse stand. And like, it's, the lines like wrapped around the place. Or there's... You're making me long for a moment if Pierre M- or well, Midyar loved football like he does. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> like he loves Puno. Uh, and so the the thing or is... Or free independent journalism. Oh God, I could not have said that anybody. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but what happened though is I found myself, you know, when I when I was at Auburn and went to Sodexo and, you know, a Coke is eight bucks or whatever, uh, I wasn't getting anything. I was sneaking drinks in. But at the, at the Falcons or at the... Atlanta United game, I, f- I was like, oh, a beer $6, a burger is this much. Like, rather than me spending zero beyond my ticket price, I was spending 60 bucks and buying, you know, three rounds of drinks for me and my wife and getting like snacks at every point throughout the game because 60 bucks gets you a full night's meal on top of your ticket price rather than 60 bucks getting you like three burgers and, you know, a couple Beer, of beers. Right. Yeah. I mean, they do, they do sometimes do those promotions typically as maybe football as the year goes on and the season might not be going the way they had hoped and we're not even necessarily getting 20,000 they'll get you know for four tickets for a hundred bucks you get four hot dogs four sodas sodas, you know but then on the flip side to that again sitting in my long time 20 year uh football section i hear people say well, that's not fair. I mean, I'm here every damn week. I'm the loyal fan that's yeah. not only paying the full top ticket price, but Which I'm not is getting like 50 bucks a game. Dance at with, least. Dance with the one who brought you. And you're paying that premium price that we talked about earlier, and now you're paying all your So, you know, UH has a tough a tough balance there where it's like they're starting to see, okay, we we're in we're in, you know, makeup mode now. We got to get people in the stands, but do you do something where base. you start to annoy your fan base? Yeah. And now what's the incentive to buy season tickets if you just wait a couple games and you can get your whole family there for a third of the price yeah. and get fed? Yeah. So where's that balance, you That's know? That's a very and, interesting point. Yeah. And I'm sure they have had people run these kinds of statistical analyses before, but if you lower the ticket price initially, sure, that is less revenue but is there a way you know do we know that if we make tickets 10 to 15 dollars cheaper are we going to get ten thousand more people and even if there's a break even i personally would always side on more people you know because again these student athletes are coming out there and they're in many of these sports putting their physical they deserve well-being on the line every saturday in football 
and they deserve to have 30,000 people every week in the stands, you know? It's it's tough being a college athlete. And and, and, it, ju- and it would jumpstart the cycle. You'd have yeah. more people in the fans, and guys are like, oh, wow, bro. You, yeah. Aloha Stadium was rocking yeah. Saturday. And that's not even to mention Aloha Stadium, which... Well, could use a could use a facelift. Right. It, could, it could, by, it could, fa- by facelift, you mean demolition and construction of a brand new facility. You say potato, I say potato. <laughs> yeah. Well, and probably maybe we could probably put Aloha State. We could probably put our stadium on campus. I think would help a lot. That would too. help a lot. Like we have. I mean, it would be a parking nightmare. Right. It would be a parking nightmare. But I mean, uh, getting in and out of a of a of a U.S. basketball game is pretty pretty tough with that structure. Yeah. yeah, it's tough. And I mean, it's sad. I mean, I sit. My seats are on the other side of the UH student section. So I'm looking directly at them. And I mean, you know, we have people in our section that the weekly joke is to physically count the number of students Same in our sitting section. there because you can count. Well, there's 17 students. To, I mean, this is at a Division One college football right. game and you can and, count them. Yeah. Like and and that arena is on campus. So, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily something that would... I mean, you go to any UH sporting event, and the vast majority of the fans there are not students. No, no. I mean, they they do not engage because as we, I mean, to, to come full circle, because you don't go to UH for the sports, right. and right. it's it's commuter school. Yeah, People but I mean, time. but it has been done. I those three four years ago when we had Roger Brobbit and we were Packed. we we, we not, I mean we were winning Everybody and and, loves that, a winner. and that yep. made it and that made a I difference. Went to those games. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a guy on the UH coaching staff or staff i believe his name was jamie smith or something and he was not from even america i don't think and he was in charge of getting these students to come and it was packed like they were turning students away and he would have different nights there would star wars night and old retro jersey night and i know that he was like walking the dorms you know an hour before the game knocking on doors saying you know that can be done. Yeah, he's, that, you he's know, recruiting college students. students. College students will show up for free shit. Yeah. That can be done. Give them a a Give shirt, a reason. you know, something. So there's there's ways to do it, and that ultimately it's for the student athlete. I mean, the more fans and support, the better home court or home field advantage we have, and mm-hmm. the win percentage probably goes up. So it's it's itself. a cycle. Okay. Well, I have I have one interesting question I thought of for the two of you. You can you can put your heads together on this one. If you had a chance, you could ask one question each of uh, Aaron Gadot, Mike Trapasso, and Nick Rolovich. And let's go ahead and uh, for those of you listening at home, those people are uh, that is in order: the UH basketball coach, the UH baseball coach, and the UH football coach. If you there could you ask them one question, what would it be? Or give them one piece of advice, question or advice. So start with basketball. Let's start with basketball. Coach Aaron, what would you do? Or wow, he's, I, that's I, have, a... I have a good question. Yeah, or what do you want to know? So, you know, we're gonna tag my, him. My, we're gonna tag my, him. We're gonna my understanding an is Aaron Ganat recruits the quote unquote define this how you want high character um, student athlete fits into the culture of what he wants for his team of, of unselfishness and and I think that is great. That's tremendous. But I guess my question, the long and short of it is what's what's the line and what's the opportunity to look at a kid and say, you know what? He comes from a tough background and might have influenced his personality and maybe the attitude in which he carries himself. But do we bring that kid in, bring him into our culture of our of our basketball team and try to better his life, better his attitude for the next 40 years of his life? And in the meantime, you get 
a hell of a player who can help you win games. I don't think you want 12 guys like that. Maybe no. you don't even want two or three guys like that. No. But, you know, every team we've had that has been successful have been teams where the guy, you know, well, we're talking mostly men's sports, didn't have necessarily the choir boy no. pass. And you don't have to necessarily even get in trouble, but maybe you carry yourself with a certain attitude that could turn off a coach. But if there's talent there, maybe that's part of the university's role is to take a talented kid that has a lot of potential but might needs a little more direction. And The greatest quarterback in the history of the University of Hawaii started his career by getting expelled but from a Pac-12 school for breaking into a girl's dorm room. Uh, the greatest right? quarterback in the history of Auburn football was kicked Stole off a laptop. the Florida football team for so, allegedly Allegedly, excuse me, allegedly. And now he's in the NFL, and I'm sure he donates millions of dollars to charities. Yeah, he gives and, tons, tons of money away. You know, so there's yeah. something to be said. Young people do deserve a second chance. Yeah. I mean, how many, I believe that. How Young many people you... deserve a second chance. Yeah. And you know what? They probably deserve and are going to need a third. Yeah. Maybe a fourth. Well, Sometimes just... a fifth. <laughs> Everybody has their own line. I'm just saying. Yeah. And yeah. the university and is accepting... The university is accepting non-athletes who might need a second or third chance. There was that there was that guy at UH who was jerking off in classrooms. They didn't expel him. What man? (laughs) Sometimes I told you number one, never bring that up on the podcast. That's very embarrassing (laughs) for me. Number two, I'm kidding. Uh, All right, what's your question for basketball coach? Well, Ganat. My question for I I'd, I'd have to I I like what how Gannat coaches that team and I like how he conducts himself so I'm not I'm willing to they're give scrappy. him they're they're scrappy they play hard yeah they're I, disciplined I would say we're the best in game coached team in our yes. conference easily he's yeah. a great in game coach and the way he, seems like a good dude his 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 trouble is not the coaching it's the recruiting it's a recruiting yeah I agree with that one thousand percent and and we better enjoy Iran Gannat and you know before he leaves us for uh, it, greener yes. pastures and that's happening. Right. Remember, Rick Pitino started his career out here. And yeah. We know how that ended, but still, <laughs> I mean, I mean that this is UH is that's just unfortunately what we June Jones left to go to right SMU. Now. Right now, that right? is where we are. That's yeah. just where we are right now. Although but I've heard I, June Jones left for other reasons to go to SMU, which you know we're not going to bring that up on the Blue White. Two million dollars a year is two million reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's one question for Nick Rolovich. I and I and I love Nick Rolovich. I cheered for Nick Rolovich. One of the greatest sources of pride was attending a Thanksgiving Day dinner at um, my buddy's house in a suburb of Chicago while I was an undergraduate and watching Nick Rolovich roll out there um, against BYU on national television the day after Thanksgiving and absolutely roast the Cougars on national television. Like it was the only game on the only college football game on at that moment, primetime, right after you ate leftovers and you watching Nikki six carve up BYU. I mean, it was awesome. Him and Chad Owens. That was amazing. We, we, we got, I got so homesick there, but you know, screaming, Filled with turkey, yelling at the TV. Shout out Rolo. But, yeah, Rolo. Rolo. Rolo, I love you. Pride Rock? No, yeah. Pride Defend Pride Rock. And yeah, we're Aloha all, Play Warriors. Yo, yeah, I would, I'd have Rolo all, on the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Nick Rolovich or Anganak, come on the podcast. We Absolutely. We'll, we'll push you. Right. The, but the one question I would ask, and it's just and it's just a question, and, and you know, this is someone given given that that running a football team is also you're essentially running a business i mean there are there were some tactics in the last couple of seasons where you come out to the spring game dressed as the great you know hugh jackman's character from the greatest showman or or there's just some there's some moments where 
I understand that you're working with young people and you want to try to, to relate to them. But going forward, seeing the results as first couple seasons, do you think are you at a point with with your just management of young men that you're willing to take more of a of a mentorship role, more of an adult mm-hmm. teacher role? And, and and again, look, this is <laughs> we don't see how he conducts himself in meetings. We don't see how he conducts himself in the locker room. We have no idea. He could be Paul Bear absolute, Bryant just screaming at absolutely. people. Absolutely, we don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a fan. I don't go to practice, yeah. right? But just from what we see publicly, maybe let, let me change the question. Do you think that there could be more a more of a Nick Saban like approach to UH football? Well, the Nick Saban approach was pay everyone a lot of money right. to come sign with your school. Right. And then when you have all the best talent, then I get to be a hard ass. Allegedly. No uh, no bias being an Auburn allegedly. fan at all, though. No, no, no bias. No bias. That even goes back to LSU. I mean, you're talking about, that's from LSU stuff. I LSU, like. you don't have to pay anybody anything. LSU is like the, the, the blood of every Louisiana resident is purple and gold. And I, I've never, ever 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 in my entire life seen a state that loves a school more than i've seen the louisiana people love lsu ever every kid wants to play for lsu it doesn't matter what part of the state you grow up in must be nice you want must to play be for nice. like more than bama more than auburn they don't talk about it because there's no rivalry there every kid wants to play for lsu picking a kid out of louisiana is so hard i mean anybody that they want that's a five-star they get like auburn got a lineman. They went number two overall, Greg Robinson, off our 2013 team. He came from Louisiana. And let's just say, I've heard stories about what it took to get him to Auburn, and it wasn't cheap. I, I can yeah. really yeah. imagine. Anybody allegedly. That allegedly. Out, anyone that allegedly. comes out of Louisiana. Uh, allegedly, but, allegedly. But let's not be naive about a multi-billion Everybody's dollar paying. business. Everybody's right? Paying. Let's yeah. not, let's no, not this be... No, this is mostly to cover our own if asses. You, if you spent 200 grand to get Cam Newton on campus... It's worth it. All right, so uh, we've kind of run over time, and we completely blew our script. Um, um, okay, so we're not going to do the Trabasco question? No, I think here's what – why don't we just do this? Uh, since we've got only about eight minutes left for you guys need to leave, um, top three things you're most excited about UH Sports this year. First thing that popped to mind, maybe because, you know, even though we're in baseball season, I'm excited for the return of the run and shoot Yeah. for UH football. It was – the golden era of our entire athletic program yeah. for football. I don't know why we ever went away from it's it. Brian Sprint. Smith, yeah. Um, Brian Smith, Nick. I mean, Nick Rolovich is going to call the plays. Yeah. He is a roll, uh, run and shoot expert. Yeah. I'm sure he'll have some tweaks, which is great. But I mean, when you're University of Hawaii, you know, you have to do something a little differently. You're not going to line up and play like Alabama and Michigan Three yards and, and win. So I'm really excited for that. Those, you know, that, I think that's going to bring excitement back to the to the game. And I think he can start recruiting players locally specifically. I mean, in that in those years, our slot backs were these local players from Roosevelt or Radford. You know, I mean, you can put an offense in. I mean, Bryant Moniz, you know, was great in that offense. I mean, people gave him a hard time because we got so used to the Colt Brennan era. But, but he, was, he was great. I mean, we haven't had as... as prolific of a quarterback as him since mm-hmm. you know because of the offense so i'm looking forward billy to that ray stutzman was his big target right i mean billy ray stutzman kaloha polaris oh he ran all over us in high school yeah polaris was a freaking stud horse pony yeah, yeah he was. that guy could have played anywhere in the country he went he to just, the nfl he just had, yeah he yeah. got he got, a, he got in the carolina game. panthers yeah, I he, believe. Just, he just had no exposure here he, i mean he would he could have played anywhere in the country absolutely yeah. the damian monarchs are not known for a big recruiting pipeline to the yeah, mainland that's true <laughs> 
All right, second biggest thing you're excited about for UH Sports? I think just because it is in baseball season, I'm and I've I've been gone for a while. Uh, I've got season tickets. I'm I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to getting to the less, getting mm-hmm. back out there. I mean, the teams probably our best I would in a say, while. It's our it's our it's our it's it's, our, it's definitely, and especially if you're a baseball fan, it's it's one of it's one of the best athletic experiences that you can have. It's in great. Hawaii. Best Be, venue. Uh, best absolutely one yeah. of the best Scenery. one of the best venues in America yeah. for college baseball. Absolutely, it's great. Nice and and I believe the only stadium with a dormant volcano over the center field fence. Yeah, it's that you can beautiful. see from almost anywhere. I mean, the, the, and it's pretty cheap to go. It it is. It it's is. still it's still it's accessible. Way than football. Yeah, it's it's not best, bad at best all. Best deal. Best and, deal in the and they've program. got a lot of, you know, we've been bashing Sodexo for a couple hours now. Their but food's better at this baseball stadium, right? Well, the best food at any UH sporting event is, the random is going stand. to be the random stands, yeah. the contract vendors who are yeah, there, exactly the right. aunties who work in the Bombucha Nacho booth, yep. uh, and all the part of the proceeds go to the, you know, Wahiwa Honpa Hongwanji. Check those places out. Yep. Those are the places where you where the roasted corn at UH yeah. Stadium or the, the spam musubi that you yeah. know Auntie and that is... and her nieces and nephews rolled like the night before until eleven o'clock and they're selling them to benefit whatever. That's where you find the good food. Get that away from the Sodexo stuff. Of the week. <laughs> right, but seriously, I mean just buy local, like anything else. And and you'll find you'll find your, your best deals for food. But I'm looking forward to getting back to the less to watching not only this team, but just the just the environment. Yeah. I mean, I'm someone who I I don't go and, and Danny knows this. I, I cannot go to a live sporting event without a, a, a radio. Mm-hmm. So I listen to live play by plays. I mean if I anything on the mainland, if I'm going to games, anywhere, anywhere I am, I have to listen to the play. All our Alabama listeners have a tremendous yeah. amount of expect and it's crazy for you. Yeah. It's but it's it's crazy, but I have to do it. No, they do the same thing there. And there are few things that I like more than a Sunday afternoon 1 p.m grabbing a, a can of pe- grabbing a bag of roasted peanuts a tall heineken sitting up there in the, in the breeze i'm in upper section hh behind the um first base dugout but upper section so you get the the, the views of manoa valley you get the view of the of diamond head you got the bows down the stadium you get the breeze when it gets hotter That's towards great. the end of the season there are very very few athletic experiences in hawaii like that mm-hmm. very few and there's so and there and more kids go. You you get they give away tickets. They right? do a really so good job. They do a really fa- good you see job. Families, yeah, families. A, yeah, it's a, it's a that's a good experience. It's a so wonderful environment. Easily our best. That's one, what, I would and say. that's why Mike Trapasso gets away without a question because yeah. he's doing something. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. he does. I mean, he does. He does. And you know, it's it's the best it's the best venue of our entire program to watch a game at. Easily. I mean, everything we were c- complaining about going to Aloha Stadium, it is the complete opposite of the Les Murakami Stadium. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a social... Baseball's a social game. You know, you sit there for two and a half hours. You're kind of looking out watching the field, but you're also talking to the person next to you. With, yeah. You know, it's there's a lot of lull time. It's it, there's, a, there's a cadence to it that allows for good family or friend time so that's always a, a sport gets done it at, at uh well, baseball games. And, and, you know, we, we developed a friendship with a, a couple that lives yeah. with, that uh, sits by us with bruce and diane yeah from waimanalo a contractor and you you build a little california your, your residents own, oakland own community. A's fans, daughters a nurse in arizona but listen we learn this about them because mm-hmm. they sit by where we, we mm-hmm. drink beer and watch baseball yep i mean but, it's it, and, and yeah. you you get that kind of and, and danny has it for in, in, in both our sports, right? Like he mentioned UH football, 20 years, same people in his section, same guys who sit with you and your uncle at basketball. Like this, my dad and I have been sitting next to Jason and his family behind us at UH basketball for, I've watched his kids grow up. I remember his two little girls when they were just, when mom was carrying them around mm-hmm. and when grandma was taking them, they're teenagers now. 
it just there there is still that family and sense of community in Rainbow Nation, which is disappearing from the rest of Hawaii. Which is yeah, yeah, man. And you, you talk about a, old. You were talking. Time. You were talking about old Hawaii earlier, yeah. Ryan. You can still find old Hawaii. Yeah. Just like the same traditions, like you know the trees, the same traditions. Auburn football. You can find old Hawaii in in Rainbow Nation. It's there, man. Third question or third most. And what do you think thing? if we ever create life, heaven forbid. <laughs> <laughs> that, that those little kids are going to be doing from the first time they're going to be sitting they're going to be sitting hey boy go get boy peanuts if I don't go get the peanuts go get the peanuts boy right I mean that's what's just going to be happening yeah. they're going to be doing that yeah I mean you know we, we see kids with their dads they have their gloves they are you know sometimes every they're, single they're, game they're those guys uniform, in our section but, right the dude with yeah. the glasses has yeah. his kid every game and they have gloves on and they go chase foul balls and every game and that's memorable and you know occasionally a foul ball will come to us we'll toss it to a six-year-old kid with his glove, and he'll remember that. That's Rainbow Nation. That's Rainbow Nation. I've got nothing more to add to That's, that. Gentlemen, thank you so thank much. Thank you both so much. We got uh, Danny Cup Choi and Peter Boylan on the Blue Hawaii podcast. Let's go Bows. Let's go Bows. Bows. Let's go Bows. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.